Welcome to Talking to Yourself. I am your host, Chris Chase, and this is a late episode. Normally, we do our best to drop these episodes on Mondays, the beginning of the week, so you have all week to listen to it. And this week, this is dropping on a Thursday, and there's a reason for that. We have had some audio snafus with this episode. Sadly, certain parts of the episode did not record the way we wanted them to, not in terms of content, but just in terms of they didn't record. And it's the worst thing because there's such good jewels and words of wisdom shared by my guest and we didn't get all of it. However, shout outs to our producer, shout outs to our audio producer, Ian Walters. I am Creo, um, check him out on Twitter and check him on Instagram. Great rapper, great musician, you should check out his stuff. He was able to piecemeal together parts of our initial, the early part of the conversation. So there's still something for you to listen to with anticipation for a full conversation. So imagine this episode is the, the hors d'oeuvre and is the appetizer, is the beginning stuff. And there is a later meal coming on down, you know, the waiters are going to come and bring it out. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. But in the meantime, I cannot wait for you to hear just a short part of my conversation with my friend, Marcy Ian. At the time of recording this, Marcy has just won another election in her riding in Toronto Centre as a member of parliament for the Liberal Party. That's literally just happened this past Monday after winning in a by-election in October of 2020. Marcy is a busy woman. She is a community-centered woman. She believes in community. She believes in people. She believes in fighting for the little guy. Something that she has been doing her entire career on television as an author, as a speaker, as a mentor. She's just one of the greatest people I have ever had the privilege of knowing. And it's not just in terms of knowing, in terms of I've seen her on television, I've seen her on CTV or different things like that. We actually used to go to the same church together. Our kids were in the same nursery together. We've hung out, we spent time together. And this the respect is so high for her. And it's so great that she was able to, in the midst of various things that were happening, in the nation of Canada with, re- with regards to politics that she was willing to say, hey, I can make time to hang out with you to talk. And so I'm hoping that should we do a season two of this show, that we're able to get Marcy back so that she can be a part of that show so that you can actually hear her go back in time to a certain period of her life to speak to her, to talk to herself which is the part that's missing from this episode, but you get to hear a few moments of her sharing a little bit of her career, sharing a little bit of what got her into politics, sharing a little bit about how her life has changed over the last few months and the last few years. So friends, buckle up, get in the car and drive a little bit. Here it is, my conversation with my friend, the queen, Marcia. So, so how, how are, how are things like, I mean, between you and the family and then this, this, you know, this slightly really heavy brand new job that you're in, like, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, though, Chris, it depends on the day. Um, I, I came from a world where deadlines were everything, right? If there was a story that 
we needed to tell and I had to have it done for a certain time, I would work sources. I would, um, you know, find out who I needed to talk to and I'd get it done. And when it comes to this new job, I want things done yesterday, except those kinds of timelines don't work. You know, I I want people in houses right now. Um, I want um, every Indigenous community to have water right now. Like all of these things. And so uh, I'm I'm getting used to or trying to be more patient, although I don't have a ton of patience. So it's, it's, you know, lessons all around that I can't snap my fingers or work really, really hard and get something done just because I want it done. It takes time and um, government moves at a different pace. I got to ask you, what was the the catalyst to to jump into to politics? Was that something that was always in your mind, or absolutely not? <laughs> Did I answer that too quickly? Absolutely not. And if you would have told me, you know, um, a year ago, and said, "Hey, this is what you're going to be doing," I would have said, "Are you crazy?" Except. Um, George Floyd happened and Ahmaud Arbery happened and all sorts, Christian Cooper and, and all these things. And I had uh, a microphone with my co-hosts on the social and I tried to use it really well, Chris, and talk about the black experience and um, talk about my experience and talk about experiences in this country that I love, but this country that is, that is fraught with problems and where there is systemic racism and just talk about all of these things. And, um, I was minding my own business and then the prime minister called. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. And said, what would you think of? That's what happened. And we started having conversations. That is what happened to me, Chris. And I, it's funny, you asked that question and I usually leave out the part I just told you. But that's what happened. I got a call from the prime minister. Who said to me, by the way, who said to me, by the way, Chris, Marcy, we are asking you now when we're you when you're using the voice you're using now. This is who we want. You know, we want the Marcy that's going to hold people accountable and we need your voice at this table. And I looked around and thought, okay, I don't see any other black women in parliament and they're only you know, um what not even a third of women period in parliament. And that's when I thought, okay, the difference that I think I want to make, maybe I make it in a different way. Maybe I serve in a different way. So I put that particular microphone down that I had held for some 30 years between reporting and then various shows. And I thought I'm going to serve in a different way and I'm going to do it in the community where I was born. When my parents emigrated um, from Trinidad, to Toronto, St. Jamestown is where they landed and it's where I was born. And so to be able to come full circle, Chris, is really special. But had you asked me a year ago, absolutely not. It's interesting how things happen. I didn't, I don't even see myself as a politician now, although I am, you know, I just see myself as somebody that wants to help, somebody that wants to serve and wants to represent well. I watched, and I've known you since my agent court days, right? So this is going on th- almost 13, That's 14 right. years now, right? And, and, and our kids years, being yeah. in the nursery yeah. and just asking you about Lionel Richie and, and, mm. and random things like that. 
<laughs> and then, you know, to see you on Twitter handle yourself with such class as people like literally were trying to come for you. It seemed like every day as you were explaining, this is, this is what is happening. This is what's happening in our community. This is what's happening to our people. This is what I've experienced. And people. Yeah. And nobody came for me like they came for I, me when I discussed race. Like it was not a joke. And that's when I knew I was onto something because it was death threats, Chris. It was all sorts so of things. So how do you, how do you keep yourself? Because you, you represent a company, but you represent your family. You represent your faith. There's so many just moving parts in this. And I would watch the ones that you would respond to because you would retweet them or, and I, I would see these things. And I'm like, one, Marcy's a better person than I am because I'd be like, yo, sh forward me your address. <laughs> we'll handle this face-to-face -face right now. That's what <laughs> I would do, right? Like, that's why I'm on television, right? Like, that's why I'm on any of these sort of things. So I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm finna pull up. And, but, but it, it wouldn't be just once in a while. Like, it would, it would seem to be like every day you be, ha you be handling it was an onslaught and it is and 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 then the three i'm i'm just amazed and just inspired at you would lean into it even more so than say you know what i'm just gonna back away and and not do this i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna go back to talking about what we're talking about on the social just other issues but you you were like you know what full tilt mm -hmm. let's just go for this i'm i'm just I'm always taken aback by 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 the boldness and the courage that you that you lead with. It's amazing to me, absolutely amazing. Well, Chris, I appreciate that, and you know, I never really saw it that way. Um, but I will say um, that it was the number one thing that my friends and family were concerned about because they saw the vitriol, they saw the things I had to handle just right. being on a talk show. And it was interesting because, you know, my colleagues, yes, I was only the only black panelist, but my colleagues would say things that were very similar to what I was saying and wouldn't hear a peep. But as a black woman, I would say certain things or talk about racism or, or talk about whatever. And then, oh my goodness, the police stop in my driveway. That was a whole other thing. Um, it would be different and people would come for me and they, my family and friends were really concerned. They said, look what's happening to you as a journalist and as a host, what happens to you right. as a politician? They were really concerned, but I looked at it as kind of practice. I looked at it as a precursor. I looked at it as I know what this looks like and can it possibly get any worse? Not really. So I know how to handle it. I know how to handle myself. And maybe this is preparation. That's how I saw it. And so what's it been like now being, I got to say this, a member of parliament? Like Marcy. Is that crazy? A member, I, like, I um, I, it's crazy. A member of parliament. Like I'm doing my research to, to hang out with you and I'm like, Marcy and a member of parliament of the liberal party. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like we're not in Kansas anymore. Like what's that been like to be able to like even no. voice that out no. loud? To be in the community and the value. Yes, because that's yeah. where it is, right? That's where you learn. It's not being in a tower somewhere 
It's not being at home. It's being in the community and understanding, feeling, understanding, listening to what people need, what they want, what their challenges are, all of those things. Before before we do the time travel thing, like which I've invited you to 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 do on 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 this pod on the show, I, it it would it wouldn't be prudent of me to not talk about the last year, George Floyd, Maude Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Christian Cooper, the experiences beforehand, and you mentioned something before. We've been down this road. I'm get I'm getting goosebumpy even even thinking about just the the journey of of the black experience. And one of the things that I have learned to appreciate even more so is the journey of the black woman experience and the the value the value of that voice in a world even as as a black man that has devalued the black woman voice and has devalued the black woman experience. You have been mm-hmm. in key positions of of influence for most of your life and yet you're still a black woman doing it and so there's still that sort of piece of like i'm in the room but i'm not in the room how how as you as you have kind of watched the last year really since we we saw we learned about brianna taylor in march and then ahmad more so in may and then christian and George and then the the marches in like small towns in Canada and big cities and everything else like that. Like as a black woman, what did you see? How did that hit you differently than it would for someone like me? Knowing your experiences in the industry, knowing your experiences online much louder now, obviously, than before. What what what's that been like for you? Let me start, Chris, with with work and the fact that in all the years that I had done shows and, and reported in news, I had never had a black boss, ever. And I say this to you because it's media that I'm talking about, right? And that means that there's only a certain narrative that is being played out on media. And it's and it's done that way because there aren't others with lived experiences that are at the table. And so for me, I always felt that I had a larger responsibility because I was an only. I was a first, I was an only throughout my career so many times. And it meant that I was representing not just myself, but everybody else too. So there was that. And to look at the marches in the streets to hear people chant Black Lives Matter and note that it wasn't just Black people doing that, that there was allyship there, and there was, and is, meant a lot, especially to someone who had been an only for most of her career and had to fight and had to fight in a way that didn't look angry Black mm-hmm. woman-ish and, and do it with some semblance of grace but still get my point across. Um, the last couple of years have been very, very important. I think that we've made some strides. I do. Do we have so much farther to go? Yes, we do. These are systems that we're trying to break down. But uh, I'll tell you, the fact that the prime minister of this country could reach out to me and say, you can make a difference 
not in the lives of just your kids, but of generations to come with the policies that you help to create and the people that you help and the people that you serve tells me that we're going in some sort of right direction. But boy, there's so much work to do. As a mother, a Black mother, um, I have three nieces and I had Blaze, a daughter. And it wasn't until Dash was born that we had another boy in our family besides my dad. We were all girl family. I have a sister, three nieces, and had a girl. And I'll tell you, um, being pregnant with Dash and knowing that he was a boy brought me to tears so many times. I was so emotional because I thought, I'm going to have a black boy in this Mm. world. What does that mean? Right? At what point is he going to come face to face um, with an officer who doesn't have his best interests in mind? Um, You know, it's not a matter of will he be stopped, but when he is stopped, at what age will I teach him to make sure he has both hands on the wheel and doesn't reach? into the glove compartment or make any sudden moves at what point? Those are things that I didn't have to think about as a mom of a girl or an aunt of three nieces. But I most certainly, even before my son was born, was thinking about those things. And there are times, Chris, that I look at him and his innocence and his curiosity. He's 10 in September. And I think, who's going to try to crush you? Who's going to try to crush your spirit? Who's going to tell you you're not good enough because you're black, that you don't measure up and that you don't deserve the same things that everybody else does? Who's going to do that first? Mm Because it's coming. And so, you know, these are the things that weigh heavily on me. It is the reason that I fight for my kids and for everybody else's kids um, because they deserve all the chances too. They deserve all the opportunities too. And so um, it's important. It's important for me to understand as a black woman in parliament, as you say, um, that fighting, sharing my experiences and my concerns at certain tables and making sure that, you know, the people in the echelons of power understand Um, That's of the utmost importance to me. Your your son's your 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 son's experiences to come are my son's experiences to come, right? Like that's the things that I worry about in the same in the same vein. But it's I learned this from my mom. I learned from my sister. It's different. And I don't know if I really fully understood it. It's different when it comes from the eyes and the heart of a black woman. It's just different. And I don't know if yeah. I really appreciated that as more as I have in the last 16 months to really stop. Yeah. yeah. It's pain. It's pain. It's, and it's deep. It's not, it's not just surface. It's not deep. just mind. No. It's, it's soul. It's the soul pain. That I remember, I couldn't understand why my mom wouldn't sleep until I got home. And as a teenager, mom, I'm fine. Now, especially over the the last 16 months, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. I I understand this this real 
can I even use the word trauma that's passed down and passed down? It is trauma. Absolutely. It is gen- it's, it's intergenerational trauma. And that's exactly what it is because, you know, I know with my parents, they put up with a lot. There was racism, all sorts of things. And they put up with it because they didn't want to make a lot of noise. They wanted to just make sure that, you know, they kept their jobs. They, they, everything was on the up and up. They didn't cause any trouble. Um, but I, I do believe um, that sometimes we have to cause some trouble. I do believe that, that we have to speak out, right? I, I, I think that is so, so important that we understand our place is not to be put in our mm. place. It is to keep telling our stories because this is like the conversations like this is how people change their mind about what they thought they knew or who they knew, right? It isn't about being quiet. It's about being right. loud. It's about being loud and doing this and hearing and, and airing things like this and having conversations like this that, you know, somebody might hear and go, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or what do you mean? She's, wait a minute, a black mother and she was upset because she was having a son? What? Right. Like it just it it it's the humanity of it. And I think that's where the connections happen when people feel real empathy and they see the humanity in people. And I would imagine that you're seeing that even more so um, in a in a governmental position than you would from a television or broadcasting perspective, because one thing to research and do and for a story on a certain subsect of people, but then to have a whole different connection to humanity that you wouldn't have had before, that's even more so than your previous experiences. That's right. That's right. Uh, th- this is this is fascinating to me. Like legitimately. Like legit. <laughs> right? Because on one on one hand, you would see if you, if if somebody didn't know you, like I have the privilege of of knowing you for a number of years. If someone doesn't know you, they see Marcy Ian on the Raptors Parade. Like I, I I keep on thinking back to like mm. us seeing you on the Raptors Parade, going, "Do you want a granola bar?" And you're like, "No, nah, I'm no, nah, I'm good. I'm okay. I'll be fine. It's been a long day, but we'll be all right." Right? <laughs> and seeing like or seeing you being able to interview somebody or seeing you sitting on a on a chair with four or five other colleagues and have these conversations, and they don't realize the back end of what it takes to actually work to earn that spot and then constantly have to navigate certain things in a certain way to ensure that one, you're representing an entire culture, which shouldn't be the responsibility on your shoulders, but that's just the responsibility that you have, right? On one end. And then to handle all of the, the, the hate. And I'll use that word, like the actual hate throwing your way. Because somebody chose to stop eating their lunch and to write a note with a um, an egg emoji so that they don't show their face to be able to say, this is what I think of you and this is what I, whatever, 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 whatever. whatever. And to still then get up and go the next day, go, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, it's fascinating to me. It really, really, really is. Like, hero work, Mercy. Like, hero work. Mm. It's work, <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's, you know, it's work. I don't know about hero work. That's a, that's a lot, Chris, but it's, it's work and it's a choice, right? And nobody forced this down my throat. Nobody said, this is the area of work uh, that you have to do, or this is where you need to be. I chose it, you know, and sometimes um, 
it's scary. Sometimes I wonder if I made the right choice. Uh, but I do really, I think, what have I done? Uh, but at the end of the day, I do believe that I did. And I've got some work to do and some good work to well, do. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're in the space that you're doing the work. I really, really, really am. Because one, I get to say anytime you're on television, oh, I know her. Yeah, our kids were, I get to use it. Yeah, our kids were in the same nursery at, at church together. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time, that sort of thing. I get, to, I, get to, I get to use a little bit of clout myself. But more importantly than that, there's somebody who is fighting, fighting the good fight, right? Get doing Doing good trouble in order to hopefully make life a little bit easier. Our, your, your, you know, Dash is 10 in... September, Eliana is 10 in, oh no, Liam, sorry, is 10 in in November because the boys were in the nursery around the same time. Yes. And so for our boys, hopefully when they're in their teens, life is just a little bit easier. I hope a so, A little Chris. bit easier the for them. That's the goal. That's the goal. And I think, you know, the timing is something too. We really are at a critical time right now where Black voices, Indigenous voices um, have, have, are being heard. And they're being heard in a way that they weren't necessarily being heard before. And I think we've got a responsibility to speak up real loud right now. So with all of that said, I'm going to invite you to go on a trip with me, Marcy. We're going to, we're okay. going to time okay. travel right now. Uh, okay. We're going to use the Back to the Future part two DeLorean. We're going to go back in time to a time of your choice. And this conversation, we've, we've moved from what you're doing before to what you're doing now. So we're already in that sort of time travel vein. And we're going to go back to a, a year and yes. time of your choosing. And we're going to give you the opportunity, okay. Marcian, member of parliament, got to say that because of how cool that is, to <laughs> go back and to speak to whether it's Child Marcy, teenage Marcy, young adult Marcy, adult mom Marcy, whatever space in time you want to go to and speak to, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. Knowing all that you know now, all your experiences, all the learning, all of the wins and losses, the punches thrown and the punches taken, knowing all that you've known now, what you would say to, to that Marcy, so are you are you ready to go on the time travel uh, with me? So, I'm we're ready. we're in we're in the DeLorean, we're in I'm the car. Ready. I'm going to drive if that's okay, right? I, I it's a privilege to chauffeur a that's member fine. of parliament. I'm going to say that again, <laughs> member of parliament, Marcy. I'm going to say that again. Um, I'm going and we're going to punch this time this year into the time the the the, the time panel. So, we're, what year do you want to go back to? Go back to Punched 1993. In. And we are, we, are, we are flying 1993. towards 1993. So what do you remember about 1993 at the time? Like what, what, what's going on in Marcy Ian's life at that time? So I had graduated from Ryerson a couple years prior. Uh, I did radio and television arts. And in my last year of school, so in 91, I got a job at Channel 11 in Hamilton. I was a writer. So I was writing 
for the 11 o'clock newscast. There was an anchor and I was, I was writing her stories for her and learning, learning a ton. And um, now and again, somebody would call in sick and being a pretty small shop, uh, if somebody called in sick, all of a sudden you could be doing another job. So that's how I kind of started reporting. Somebody called in, I was like, well, Marcy, do you want to try? And, and I did. So I was at a point where I was reporting a little bit, but mostly writing. And I had been at Channel 11 for a couple of years and decided to put together an audition tape. And I had heard that a position had come up um, at CTV, the local station, so CFTO. And I thought, you know, I'm going to apply. So I put this audition tape together, sent it in. Uh, I got an interview, um, sat down with a gentleman who had been a senior executive for some time in the field, you know, 25, 30 years. And he looked at my tape and then he said to me, he said, you know, I don't think you quite have it, whatever, whatever it means. Don't think you quite have what it takes to, to make it in this industry. And Chris, when somebody of his stature in the industry says that to you, right? It, my first thought was, well, he should know. I mean, he's been doing this for such a long time. He knows what to look for. And, um, and then I thought, I'm just going to have to prove him wrong. And so uh, I went with that, but it was a, it was a seminal moment because it was, do you agree and look for another job and get out of the field that you went to school for, or do you fight to prove him wrong? And I'm telling you, that was a really pivotal thing that no, that I turned into a yes for myself really spearheaded a lot of my career mm. because I heard his voice every time I wrote a story, every time I reported on something, every time I broke a story, every time, frankly, I made history, I thought of him saying, you don't have it. And everything that I did, it was, I'm proving that I do. And I, and I think sometimes was I trying to prove it to him or prove to myself? I don't know. But that no meant a really, really huge yes to me. And so I tell that story to, you know, young kids that, I, that I've mentored and continue to, just to say that you've always got to have your own back and, and know without a shadow of a doubt that you're capable because no's will come from every direction. And sometimes they'll come from people that have been doing the job or people that you look up to, even family sometimes. But if you really want something and you work really hard, it is possible. Because I didn't have any connections in this field. I, I had to work for every single opportunity. And I really see it now as, you know, a way to give back any kind of experience, any kind of thing that I can share, I do. But back in 1993 and sitting in that office after watching my audition tape, things could have gone completely in an opposite direction, Chris, if I thought, okay, well, he says I don't have it. It's time to, you know, look at doing something different. But I did the exact opposite. And that really changed the trajectory. I got to ask this because my personality would do this. How did you not get petty about it? <laughs> like, how did you not find that guy years later or maybe you did maybe this is maybe this is a leading question for you to confess it 
right? But like, how did you not find him and go, hey, remember me? Remember me? So, so what ended up happening uh, in 1997 is that CTV National News ended up hiring me. So years ago, it was local where the guy said, you're not good enough. And then National News ended up hiring me in 1997. So I know he saw everything. And I know he had a front row seat to every single step of my career. I know that because we were with the same company. It was the same family. It was local news and national news. And I thought, how ironic, because the man that ended up hiring me in national news, and I will never forget this, because I remember saying to him, you know, am I ready for this? His name was Henry. I said, Henry, like, am I ready for this? You know, I felt honestly, at a national level, that Henry was taking a chance on me, this writer slash reporter producer that was working at Channel 11 in Hamilton, and now being hired to report for then Lloyd Robertson's show. And he said, you're my hey, draft pick. yeah. Speaking my language, sports. He said, you're, you're my draft He said, you're, you're a draft pick. This has been Talking to Yourself with Chris Chase. A big thanks to our guest, Member of Parliament, Marcy Ian, for sharing her story with us. Our show producer and editor is Kenya Walters. Our audio producer is Ian Walters. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, please make sure to leave a five-star review to help us with our ranking. You can follow me, Chris, on all social media platforms at That Chris Chase and on my website at thatchrischase.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk more next week.